biohacking, performance, mastery, mindset, holistic health. This is a show about getting better every single day. I'm on a mission, guys, to help over a million people get healthy and lose weight. Why? Because when you lose weight and get healthy, you have higher self-esteem. You have more self-confidence. And that person goes out and crushes their goal and starts living the highest version of themselves. And then they have way more impact on the world. All right. Let's go. I'm fired up. Kristen Wetzel. Did you see me dancing? I I saw you dancing backstage. I was pumped. You had me dancing. I always get jazzed with my little schnazzy intro. So thanks. It's great. uh, It's really great. Yeah, my uh, my brother does all a lot of my producing and and he takes a lot of my videos and puts it together. He's like a, a video magician and uh, he kind of came up with the music and stuff. So yeah, thanks. Uh, well, here we are live with Kristen Wetzel. Did I say that right? I had it said it backstage, right? How did I not? It's like Wetzel. Wetzel, Wetzel. Like, I, yeah. People say Wetzel all the time because of Wetzel's pretzels. Which he, I that don't is even correct. That's what people yes. say. Wetzel. It's funny because I asked you backstage. I'm like, Wetzel, right? And you're like, yeah. So I said it right. Um, but now when I'm live, I, I just lose my words. Um, anyways, founder of the Warrior Woman Mode and Sherpa Breath and Cold and also the host of the Well Power Podcast. Welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so happy to be here with you. And um, this like slow and sweet progression of our friendship, like layering from social media to real world to next to next to next. And so this is a culmination. And uh, I made sure you mentioned my podcast because, you know, I'm going to go into Wellpower podcast with Joel in the very near future and just unpeel all of his deep and dark secrets. (laughs) You know me, I'm I'm an open book. People always like, can you ask you this? I'm like, sure, why not? I mean, that's the whole point of this, right? I want to yeah, ask me whatever you want. yeah, I'm excited to have you. Um, you know, the more uh, it's been funny, I've followed you for, for a long time now. And then I just bumped into you at the Biohacking Congress event in Vegas. And you're like, hey, we should we should get on a podcast. I'm like, yeah, we should get on a podcast. So this is yeah. great. Um, and the more I learn about you, I'm like, man, this you're really a badass. So um, <laughs> I'm curious, though, for people that don't know you, like uh, I, I'm always curious about people's like kind of hero story and like their journey to getting here and like you don't need to, we don't need to know maybe since you, when I was two years old, but like, but like really like when you think about, I, I'm always fascinated with my own life. Like, man, like I never would have thought this. Right. So like on your journey to like health and like doing what you do now. And I mean, just empowering men and women, like how did, how, how did you get here? Yeah. I think like the origin story, it's long and I won't be long or long winded, which is not my MO normally, but I, yeah, I grew up a dancer I really wanted to figure out the, the piece of like, how could I eat? Cause I loved food and still keep a dancer's physique. And I didn't really understand how that worked, but I started when I was five. So that didn't make sense to me, but I did see a lot of um, disordered eating in that world, you know, ballet and all, you see a lot of that. Um, thankfully less so now and more shapely ballerinas, primas and all that. But I, I navigated through food initially, I think tried all these crazy uh, crazy in a beautiful way, diets, some things that maybe we've debunked now and um, had some big wins and big fails as you do and learned a lot along the way. And that sort of led me into a, a mix of um, Younger's book on clean, which was really about, you know, how do you eat uh, things from the clean part of the world of food non-packaged as well as how do you reduce your food intake for a temporary period of time? Um, not like fasting per se, but kind of mimicking some of that. And doing like a one meal a day plus liquids like protein and veggies and things like that. And that 
was like the uptick to me going, oh damn, there's some energy in there that I didn't know I could have, right? This aha moment you see people have when they maybe switch to keto or paleo or carnivore, depending on what their physiology needs. And then clearing out some of the gunk and detox and being like, oh shit, this is the next level me. And so I felt that. And so that was like enough of an anchor to hold on to. And I um, started falling in love in a number of ways. I got a, I had a partner in my life and he was a very nerdy researcher. He did a lot of researching while I was off at the office because he worked at home. We fell in love with Mark Sisson and then Dave Asprey. And then all these, you know, at the time people were like, who are these kooky guys that are like yeah. proliferating the the myth at that time or this like scary thing that's going to kill you. And so eating paleo, eating primal, uh, navigating that space, trying to understand what ketogenic dieting was about, falling in love with biohacking, you know, vis-a-vis Dave had a lot of that quirky tech. And um, we just started trying crazy things together. It's really helped, helps forget that he was my lover, my, my partner, my boyfriend, all of that. But he was, it's nice to do things in community or connect yeah. with connectivity and discover together. And I think that we both had that itch. And so it really, um, it became health in a healthy way, a little like competitive, cool. What could we figure out? And it, it was also awesome that I had a nerd at home that I'd come home from work at night and he'd be like cliff nose version of the entire ketogenic, you know, arena. And I'd be like, yeah, 30 minutes, tell me everything. And if I didn't understand something, he'd really have such a real good grasp you know, Princeton educated guy, researcher, tech guy, wow. really, really had a grasp of it. And so I had, um, you know, he's, he's five minutes ahead of me on the path in some cases, but that's all, it was just a really efficient way for me to take in information. Yeah. You know, okay. That's amazing. And I'm curious because when I, when I hear your story, I'm like, yeah, that's some of the same things that happened to me. It's like, um, and for good or bad. And I've heard you say this on other podcasts too. It's like, you know, biohacking has such a bad connotation and I know what you mean. It's like, it's the good and the bad. And I, it's a love hate relationship for me too. But, um, and I, and I know you're, you really, what I love though, is like, you're like, no, let's make, let, let's talk about it and let's make it positive. But I've gone through all those trends too. And just falling in love with bodybuilding when I was 18. And, and then you just learning like, Oh, I need to eat more protein. I know I need to do this. And then following the paleo diet, I've done the paleo, I've done keto, I've done bulletproof. There's carnivore now. There's all these things. I'm curious, like as you progress and all that you're you've learned, you know, where are you at now? Like, where, what do you think? Um, and the reason I ask is because I had I was lucky enough to have Rob Wolf on the podcast. Who mm -hmm. anybody knows him knows he's very. He was like one of the founders of. He wasn't the founder, but he really pioneered the paleo diet and made yeah. it popular. And, um, I asked him that question. Cause I'm like, man, you've gone from paleo to keto to carnivore, maybe just kind of this balance. And he even said, he's like, I'll tell you something, Joel. He's like, I am in the minority here, but I think fasting is complete bullshit. And all the things that people are talking about this longevity hack, they're completely wrong. I think 20 years from now, we're going to find out it was a complete joke from what people are saying specifically. So I'm curious, you know, maybe that won't be your answer, but I'm just curious, like, where are you at now with all the, the keto, the carnivore? What, and what do you do personally? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Bio-individuality is like the rocking trigger word right now. Let's not say trigger word, trend, on trend word maybe, or it's going to be. Bio-individuality is really important to take in consideration for your physiology. You say this, you talk about this a lot as well. Um, I also want to backtrack for one second and just say everyone always forgets Stephen Gundry, who was like in the midst of all that. And this is a great lesson, right? Stephen Gundry was like doing a lot of this primal, talking about the primal, what became primal and paleo. He's sort of the, the let's say he's the grandfather if Sisson was the godfather or something like that, right? And, and let's also give Sisson credit because that guy hammered 
piles of research and then summarized for us uh, in the most beautiful way for years to become successful in the way that he did and game changed dressing and sauces and you know anyway i love mark he's great um yeah gundry like this is a really great lesson in the gundry story where i I saw gundry 10 years ago speak on on a cruise ship and he actually was like Yo, like I diet Coke was the or diet Pepsi or diet Coke, I can't remember, it was the hardest thing for that was like my last give up. Because he used to be like on the Splenda train or the NutraSweet train. Cause you know, we don't always uh-huh. know. We're like, we're trying to navigate maybe sugar, hardcore cane sugar is not the best, but we're gonna use something that's like stevia and is that good? And then, you know, and agave he, nectar, remember that? The paleo crowd loved agave nectar. So it was it. remember for that. You. That's people are putting fucking agave nectar in everything right now. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. cool. Carbohydrates are not the devil and still sugar um, sure. and makes me gassy. So I don't need it. Um, <laughs> yeah. the TMI, but the, the Gundry story is so great because he was like, you know, I said to people who are trying to get on a healthy train who are, who are disc deconditioned and, and in maybe dis-ease states, like do what you need to do. Here's the way you need to be eating wholly and cleanly and diet soda is fine. Like it's totally great. It's I drink it. Like that was his vibe. Now I'm yeah. going back some years, but what he was doing was titrating and unbeknownst to him in some way, right? The chemicals were car- like cancer, you know, there's yeah. bad shit in soda. We get it. Yes. But like he was also creating a map where people were the number one thing that nobody is talking about enough. I can tell you that if you eat a can of tuna fish, four, four oysters, two Brazil nuts and 16 gallons of water a day for the rest of your life, you'll get every single one of your goals. I mean, every dream, every weight, every career, every financial success. Yeah. And, if the, and it only works if you adhere. If you don't adhere, the minute you don't adhere, it's gone. And so we have to talk about adherence in this conversation in a little way. And I think the Gundry story is really interesting because adherence is everything. And so even if those people were having diet soda, they were having massive success. Now, yes, they're still putting chemicals in their body in some way, but the rest of their life, the other 90%, 80% plus, was cleaned up. And so the point is like, we don't always have to be so diehard and absolutist on everything. And that leads me to what the answer is to your real question, which is what do I do and why do we do it? And what should other people do? Maybe that's the road you're going down. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious, like, you know, where do you stand on or like, you know, and I think, you know, the whole fasting thing and, and you mentioned it even with the total clean and, and you kind of mentioned like, yeah, there's, there's, there's times probably to do it and there, there's times not to, but I think I, what I love too, is I think we're, we're both passionate about health and yeah, sometimes I go to the extreme and I'm, I go all in on these things and I don't mind it because at the end of the day where I'm at now and the knowledge I have, I'm just very balanced. Like I'm with you. I'm like, I, I don't care. I'm not, I'm not like keto. I'm not carnivore. I like them all like, and maybe yeah. do them all every now and then. But do I yeah. think we need to be that way all the time? Probably not. Honestly, probably not. I think, uh, I don't think that's the answer, but I, I mean, I'm happy for the people that get the results. But yeah, yeah, I'm just curious, you know, like where, where have you gone? I mean, and it, just hearing Rob Wolf yeah. say about the whole fasting. I mean, I was like, wow. Okay. I mean, I've tried a lot of these things. I, most of these things I want to say, I have not been, I am, I've not been a fruititarian and I have not I done, done there's like a diet that's like, you just only breathe air, which sounds amazing. I, I don't have any interest in trying that. No offense to the airitarians or breatharians. Yes. Um, and there are some things that I'm just not willing to do, but for the most part, um, I cycle most of the way that I'm dieting. I hate that word. Lifestyle eating choices are cycled um, either around my cycle, depending on what's going on. I'm a little bit hormonally dysregulated right now. Um, but 
when my hormones are aligned well and the w women I work with uh, come to me with either dysregulation or regulation and we work around their cycle if they're in the reproductive years and if they're in their perimenopausal years, we play in that arena a bit. In menopausal years, we do it a little bit more systematically. But um, I, I did paleo for eight years straight, I'd say 90, 90, 10. So I was really on board of paleo, I think, because I was a vegetarian for a while. And I was sort of like a, when I was like 18, I was like, my best friend was an animal rights activist, became a vegetarian. I was like a pizza and French fry vegetarian. So it's like yes. Not, yes. not the way to do it. Um, and also my body, my DNA, makeup, everything, a lot of the, 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 the lab work, the test don't guess model for me is um, seems I seem to respond really well to um, a moderate plus protein diet. I say that because a lot of people talk about my coaching as high protein. It's just because everybody's eating way too little protein. Rob Wolf said the same thing, by the way. So kudos. Yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're yeah. And so I'm like, I buy that strongly. Uh, when we get into fasting, I'm more um, averse to, um, I'm, I'm, I'm moderate for fasting for females in a way, especially if we're trying to conceive, especially if we are um, in our reproductive years, the prime of our reproductive years. And that's only because there is a little bit of in what I see in the marketplace and consumers and in, in, in clients and people showing up to me in the world that they're like hardcore fast, you know, and it's like, yeah. I'm going to do a five hour window. I'm going to do it. And like that 186 model, which was born for men from literature and, and people's theories and opinions. And um, that's cool. And I think um, I, I typically put women on easier fasts when, and I don't, and I think if you're going to do that 186 model, like maybe it's an every other day thing. You know, yeah. um, you can dysregulate like your hormones a little bit. Like we do get some benefit from it, but yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of hardcore fasting in the world. I, I don't, I think I'm less worried about it as women enter menopause and the hormones are a bit more, uh, let's call it regulated or just even yeah. day to day. And the real thing is that, you know, I, this is all to say that I don't, I'm not anti a long-term fast. I've seen some good benefits. I know and specifically with like clients with medical conditions, really just um, giving the chance, the body a chance to rest. Like we, You know, we always talk about this like prehistoric era of our ancestors and how they behaved in the cave. But like there was a there is something to be said for us having a water fast for, you know, during the season when we would couldn't catch animals as as adeptly and all of that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think it, it to the answer, like any good answer, it depends. And also, sure. sure. Um, Really but good. I like that. You said it too, you know, you cycle and that's important. So you'll go in and out, you might go low and then you might come back and have some feeds, you know, feasting and, and, and famine. So I like that. That's, that's yeah, and I cycle mostly between like paleo and keto. And if I really talk about it, like I haven't done a lot, a lot of keto since I've been in Texas because I tend to have relatively low carb lifestyle in general. And I think keto puts me in a quick, if I'm trying to produce ketones and just jack through some stuff and like keep my metabolic flexibility. Yes. And I can, I can tend to like, I, I will go right to the, to the, I'll go overboard quickly. That's just my personality is like all in, can't do half measures. And then I'm like over, I'm overdoing the keto too long. And, and I'm, I'm working personally on my hormone profile. So for me, I'm just being cautious with that. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, you, you talk about this too. People go from McDonald's and not good diet to keto. because they feel like, let me do that. And it's like this breaking of the car from 80 miles an hour. It doesn't work. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk to you also about, you know, hormones and how women should in general work out. You know, you have a, a great background, uh, in your, your, your weightlifting and like CrossFit and, and ARX and all that you do. And yeah. So what have you been seeing that, you know, makes sense in general for women and their cycle and working out? 
Yeah, this is a passion point of mine and it goes hand in hand with that protein conversation we just had, which is so I cannot, I cannot stress the importance for women of proteins. And what I'm really stressing is amino acids and getting them into women's bodies. Um, partly because when we eat proteins and the way they cycle in our body, amino acids, which are the building blocks of protein, eat whatever protein you want. Just know that animal protein is going to have less calories than plant protein and be more bioavailable. Not my choice. Don't be mad at me in the literature. Go and read it. This is, you know, I'm just saying that generally for the people who are listening because, you know, the... She used to be a vegetarian, everybody. It's okay. I was a vegetarian for a little while. I didn't do it yeah. well and it didn't work for me and that's okay. And I think if you're, if you believe in animal rights, there's ways to do this really well without ever eating an animal. And that's cool. Um, the... Protein piece is so important because it's about repair, because it's about, um, you know, it's like you can't out, you can't out train a bad diet, you know, go out and have a piece of cake to celebrate on your birthday. That's cool. There's joy and oxytocin and sharing and maybe make it a homemade cake instead of some crappy thing from the store. Cool. But um, uh, to me, like a, the worst diet that you can have is one that's like too low on, uh, you know, un an unbalanced macronutrient profile or too low on protein. And specifically, mm. I say that for women, because amino acids, which are the building blocks of protein, are something that cycle through all of our bodies, men and women, every six hours. And if they're not going to be utilized to repair muscle, then they're going to go into the next phase of what need, they need to be used for. So, you know, you start to get into like an athlete conversation when you're really timing your protein perfectly. But that being said, it's important for us to get enough protein. I try to make it easy on women and say, look, how many pounds of body, body weight do you have? One, one gram of protein per one pound of body weight. If we're going to do easy math, that's my strong recommendation. I do variances off of that when I have private clients for various different contextual reasons. Yeah. We actually need more protein as we age as women. And the part of this timing of the protein after the workout and all the things is like based on where leucine has to hit for us. Like you're a man. So leucine, leucine can hit your muscles to start the recovery process. We need it to get to our brain. It's like a different physiology in women. Mm. Um, Stacy Sims has all Stacy Sims has all the juice on that with the research she's pulled and getting our leucine, you know, high enough that it's activating our recovery or activating our mu muscle protein synthesis in the body as women. So food first, then we're talking about training and really protein first, because if you're not putting the protein in, you're not going to get this muscle protein synthesis, which is going to heal your muscles and grow them. And ladies out there listening to you right now might be like, why do I want to grow my muscles? I don't want to look at Arnold, look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And we yes, still have, we still have that in the world right and i just gotta say like you have to be so adhered to a food plan and a two to three hour a day workout plan that's meticulously uh periodized and not even like for a man but periodized for a woman to get you there to like competition stage ready yeah that you would know you would know what you were doing intentionally there's no way you're going to be like oh damn i'm huge what happened <laughs> and yeah. really can like you're not going to just it's not just going to happen I love that you said that because women are always like, well, I don't want to get big, Joel. And I'm like, yeah, you don't worry. You're not, like you said, you would have to be in this really like competitive style. Um, but I'm like, if you want to get toned, you have to lift weights. Yeah. Like, don't worry. You won't get big. But And if you want to get small, which I fucking hate, I'm going to say with an F-bomb there, because stop, let's stop making ourselves smaller, women. If you want to get strong and you want to fit into your clothes and feel really good, you have to put on muscle. That is the only way. And uh, and here's the other thing. It's like 
I hope that you and I keep banging the drum to women about we're not going to get bigger until they listen. And this is not a slight. It's like we've been socialized to believe that, right? It's totally. Like a misnomer, like it's misguidance. But here's the thing. You can go. I said this to a client earlier today and was like, you want to lose all your 35 pounds in two months instead of a year? I work with women, private clients, women for over all their wellness, all their wellness, all their wellness, all their optimization yeah. over the course of a year. And in that year, we make so many strides. But what's the biggest thing they come to me with is the same thing they will come to you with, which is weight loss. And it's never really weight loss. It's just fat loss. So we have to first talk about that piece. And I can This is so you. good, by the way, because I was going to ask you, what's the biggest mistake that women are making when it comes to weight loss? So I think yeah, you're, like, about, you you're lose, about to go into it right now. Yeah, yeah. Like, for sure. Like you want to lose 30 pounds. That's your goal. 35 pounds in a year. Awesome. I can make it, you want to lose it in two months because you don't want to work with me or you don't want to this, you don't want that. What? Cool. You want to do that? I can do that. I do that with my MMA fighter. I do that when I'm like cutting weight with someone who's like training for a marathon and like has to lose it, a climber, whatever athlete I'm working, working with. We can lose it in 60 days. You're going to feel like shit. It's going to come back and then some. It's not going to affect any other areas of your life. And it's, it's a total waste of time, energy, and money. But you want to do it that way? Cool. But here's the thing. Women that are listening to this podcast whether you work with me or you work with Joel, you need to get someone who understands and can work with you on your physiology. The second piece is you have to get to the gym and train the muscle and eat the foods and eat at a caloric level that makes you feel your body, not you, your body, your nervous system feels safe enough to repair itself well, coupled with sleep so you can gain muscle. So then as you get to the next phase, which is like, don't look to lose the body fat in five seconds, it will come depending on how big you start and all that. But the next phase, which is as you start to carefully, slowly, and with intention, lose body fat, you will be losing body fat on top of a structure that is like strong bones and muscles, and you will be able to see faster this physique that you're looking for. If you just drop all the weight, you're going to see body fat loss off of less strong bones and no musculature and that ain't sexy so if you're shooting for sexy or you're shooting for strong neither of those things are going to happen so the biggest mistake i see women make and this is part of a byproduct of our culture is i want it yesterday and there's got to be a pill and there's got to be a keto and there's got to be a you know one of the reasons i'm so successful with cold plunging women is because they don't want to go in ice baths until i'm in the middle of the sentence where i say that it's the fastest body recomposition tool that I've found for losing body fat. And I haven't even finished the sentence and they've gone from being like, I'm never getting into already in the bath. And so, you know, like, that's just it. That's like, I, I, God, I never want to be on a soapbox. That's going to be, it's going to be on my tombstone. The girl who ranted and raved about women's health, but it's, it's no, thank not, God. Thank God. You're, not, you're, this is what we need. I we, hope need, so. we need leaders. We need people to step up and like you said, ring the bell and, and say something different because that's not what the mainstream media has said. So we need, we need people who are getting results and, yeah. and can, and can see what they're seeing with all their clients. And it's, sometimes I think, like you said, with clients, you need to shake them a little bit. Like, no, this is what we're going to do. Like you want to be successful. You want this, don't you? Let's and also go. how exciting is it that every single trigger and trauma response and frustration and, workaround and tool that you've cultivated your entire life every single one will come up that you have to address during the course of the work this is why i stopped working with people for less than a year unless they're in like an athlete training program for a specific race or fight or whatever i work over a year because all of your like 
Jocko would be like, good news, all your shit's coming up in a year. And we can really course correct all that. And you're just going to be like mentally stronger. Your mindset's going to be solid. You're not going to look in the mirror in the morning and be like, I don't like myself. And oh, this piece of fat. And oh, my nose. And oh, this wrinkle. You're just not going to do that in the way that you do right now. Because women are extra hard on themselves. We're more susceptible to anxiety, depression. We have like a, a brain chemistry that sort of makes us take in, like if you look at Kayla Osteroff's work, our brain chemistry makes us take in the collective in a different way in our decision-making. And because of that, we have, um, you know, more worry, more concern, more navigating that content of rumination to be able to make a decision. And also because of our brain chemistry, we actually have a time in our cycle that is like more intuitive. It's like, you know, what they would say, but like uh, researchers have a different name for it, but it's just like, we can, we can, our gut instincts are strong. And so we're so, we have to be sensitive in those times. And so we're more sensitive to all that, that stuff. And therefore we reflect and look at other people and look in the mirror and do all this self-judgment. I'm not saying men don't do that. I know they do, but I think in a different way. And I maybe perhaps they're better at masking it. You know, let's, there's a whole world of males and it always behooves to be said, or it's important to say, when we talk about male and females on this podcast, on my podcast, it's always just really down to physiology, like what genetics do you show up with? Um, I've worked and interviewed many, many different um, trans trainers and people who are working in the non-binary communities who are super successful and really adept at managing exogenous hormones. But I'm speaking about physiological females and males. And, uh, and I hate to bucket anybody. So we're all very yeah. individual, but these things are true. And so I... Gosh, I just want this for women is to really be able to like continue to step in their own power that isn't around this um, socialized and entertainmentized physique, you know, goal that's put out into the media all the time that I think just it, it, it brings us shame, you know, we're like trying to attain this thing that's not real. Yeah. I want to, you mentioned cold and I want, I want to, I want to segue into that, but before I do, I wanted to ask you because you just said something uh, magnificent. You said, you know, when I get them in the cold uh, and I tell them their why, at first they're like, I'm not going to do that. Are you crazy? And then they do. But I'm also curious, do they, do you get a lot of that too when the, when you say, oh, great, you want to lose 30, 35 pounds? Well, you're going to have to lift some heavy shit or we're going to, this is, you're going to have to work out. You have to move. And they're like, but I don't have the time or I'm not going to do, I can't do that that much. What's, what's kind of the self-talk that you tell them? Is it similar to the cold? I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. So everything's, you know, you can't do anything without sleep and you can't do anything without mindset. And the older I get, the more I really, really lean into that. Right. It all kind well, of goes true. back to what we, what we feel about ourselves, how much self-love we have, how much self-worth we have. And so this mindset piece is, is really big. Um, as women are getting, you know, heavy's relative. I like to say that what's heavy to an 80 year old woman who's never trained in a gym before not just heavy in weights in that moment, but heavy in walking into a space where you might feel intimidated is a different level of heavy than someone who's 25 and actively been going to a gym and getting on machines and free weights and dumbbells. Even if they're not living, have, lifting heavy enough, there is a, they're both heavy to those people. It's really relative. Yeah. yeah. So um, the time it addresses the time issue, right? The heavier you lift, the less time you can spend in the gym. That's not, that's an oversimplification. You know that Yeah. But, um, long, you know, it kind of builds back to like what I find women are doing wrong. And this isn't to say that this doesn't work in some cases, but we're over cardio conditioning. Mm. And our rep schemes are like, I will do this 20 pound weight, deadlift it. That's useless, in my opinion. Sorry, 
I, like, you know what? I used to be like, oh, my opinion is, and now I'm like, stop deadlifting 20 pounds. Like, I know that it, that's, I'm giving you a number and that may not, for some people that might still be heavy, but if you put two 20 pound dumbbells in your hands, that's 40 pounds total. You're deadlifting that women with the strongest part of our body, which generally speaking is our glutes and our legs, you're wasting effort. And um, I want, you know, I like want to harken back to Prilip and Chart, however you pronounce his name, like the Russian Olympic lifting training guy, which is just like, stop doing 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 reps for a while and start bringing your rep scheme down. By rep scheme, I just mean how many times you do the thing over and over over the course of let's say four sets. So four times and you're taking space in between, but that you're doing like, what's six to eight feel like? What's it feel like when you can't get to eight because it's too heavy? Now, safe and effective. Safe being the first word that's most important. Like make sure you have a coach, make sure someone's training you form, make sure someone's watching you and spotting you if you're trying to pick up something new, all of that, I'm, I'm, I'm making that assumption and lift heavy. And for my clients, I'm trying to go with them or they're bringing their phone to the gym and saying, okay, I'm going to do the thing. And like, we're, we're setting it up for success or I'm going to the gym first and showing them, or they're working with somebody online. I use a lot of co programs within my program to get people to adhere because we noticed this in quarantine that we couldn't all work out together in person. Yeah. And the act of lifting heavy shit, the act of lifting heavy weight is the thing that is going to build muscle faster. And what does that come down to? Same thing as the cold. All these benefits are produced by hormesis, which is the adaptation to a deliberate mode of stress you put on your body. And we're just, we're not, look, you go to the gym all the time. You work at home. I follow you. If you're not following every single one of Joel's great fitness, outdoors, flex the muscles, sunshiny Instagram posts, you need to be because he's doing all this amazing work. And the reality is that if we're just going and phoning it in, if we're going and doing something that doesn't feel heavy, that doesn't create adaptation, it doesn't really help. Right. Yeah. And that speaks to time. So yeah, it's, it's intimidating, sometimes mm-hmm. really intimidating. And part of the breaking through to standing in your own self-worth and your own power and your own capacity is I put so much weight on the bar for it to try to deadlift. I couldn't even pick the bar up. Oops, I guess I look silly for a fourth of a second until I just down, I deload and then I just, you know, do whatever. And it's, it's in other terms, like I, I, my CrossFit training age isn't that, that many years. I only got on a barbell like four years ago for the first time. And I mean like a barbell where I was like, what's a clean, you know, what yeah. does snatch look like? The first time I did a snatch, it was like in a training program for coaches where everyone had done snatches. And the guy was like, yo, get up and uh, Kristen, do a snatch for us. And I was like, I had never done a snatch. I had my hair down, which like any woman who's done a snatch is like, it just, everything gets in the way. I was like scared. It was scary as all get out. And yeah. I like tried it and I failed in front of this group of people. And I, we have to do those things. We have to fail in some ways, right? I didn't get hurt. I was cautious, all the things, but we have to try to do the thing that is next level for us in order to step into that, you know, or experiment. This is the adventure. And I want the women that work with me, I always say like, wow, good news. What's the adventure here? We get to try this new exploration and training heavy is, is, I mean, it's where it is at. And when you look at osteoporosis, we look at sarcopenia, which is muscle wasting as we age, like we have to continue to train heavy. There is no time that is too late to start with your relative heavy amount. And you go to the gym and you see a man, physiological male, generalization, 
will see a bar loaded up with weights and be like, I got that. Even if he can't lift it, like he's going to go after it and he will overload more like before he underloads, right? Especially if his boys are around. And a woman will put on two five pound plates on a 15 pound bar, a 35 pound bar and be like, that might be too heavy for me. Right. And that's, that is a, this speaks to our risk aversion, right? Where we wanted, we had to like make the babies and foster the tribe. So we're going to be a little more cautious, perhaps, perhaps that's the reason. Either way, we have to stop um, being so nervous and we have to ask for expert advice and support and go to our communities and not be afraid to ask the, the person at the gym who maybe looks like they know what they're doing in a really solid way to help us. And that's, it's not easy to do that. You know, and I like, and men, by the way, are the biggest defenders of not unracking their weights. What is that about? I don't know. I haven't been to the gym in many, many years. Everything I do is at home. So sorry. I can't, I can't speak on that one. I know, it's not you. You're like, it's not me. <laughs> um, all right. Let's talk about some cold. Um, you're super bullish on the cold. And uh, you even designed a, a program around it. So I, why are you so bullish on the cold? And actually, I have some questions because... I heard you say once that even I think at and maybe I'm wrong, but so correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Even at nighttime, like 5 p.m. or something, that would be a good time. And I thought, no way, like that's going to spike cortisol in a you know in a detrimental way. And that's what I was thinking. So, um, so yeah, uh, tell me more about the cold and and why you're just such a huge fan. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to address that point because it's the most exciting piece of research that's been shared, in my opinion, for me because I tend to have high cortisol numbers recently in recent times is um Huberman Kristen, you're you're stressed really nah <laughs> not even stressed i'm just excited and intense about everything i do yeah so, so, same here same here that's what i, I have to do the, I, down regulation is my jam like freddie my partner is always like hey down regulation evening how are we going to take that down a notch he's very good about it's probably why the partnership works um is very good about downregulating my system and state. So it's important to balance that out. But the most important or exciting, let's just say exciting piece of research that I've heard about in recent months, uh, Andrew Huberman, you know, the god of Hubermans, yes. called on his podcast and um, talking about how ice bath response does not spike cortisol. All the other chemicals. Wow. Spike. So that to me is like, I was like, you know, before he finished that podcast episode, I was back in the ice and, um, so here's the thing. When I did this 34 days straight years ago of cold plunging, I was trying to figure out two things. What would happen to my hormones and uh, what was just going to feel like optimized for me? What time of day? When? Yeah. Um, 34 days straight. I did. I promised a promised Instagram audience that I would do 30 days straight, which is I why I'm down. Uh, honestly, I don't know if I would have done 30 days straight if I hadn't made that promise to Instagram. So thank you, social media accountability. And um I was doing it in a chest freezer in an ice bath with like schlepping ice three flights of stairs and all this stuff. It was really interesting to do that. I assumed in the beginning, like most people, like, oh, I'm going to get up in the morning, get in the ice. It's going to set my day and be incredible. Yeah. And I was many, many days. And what I also realized in the days that I had work and things and training people from 6 a.m. onward and I wasn't going to get up before that, and I had to do the ice at the end of the day, but this beautiful thing occurs, which is I had better tolerance for the cold around sunset just personally, sometimes you can look at some of the things that are going on with women and say that, whereas like men seems to be like a little even uh, morning and night. But that sunset ice plunge, the ice plunge isn't about down regulating you. It's the getting out 
And then like two to three hours after you have this really beautiful, like you have a right away a parasympathetic rebound when you get out. And it sort of sets up the downturn for this down regulation softness into your evening. And so for someone with my personality type, for someone who had higher cortisol, or someone who was really wanting to set themselves up for successful sleep, my sleep numbers are much better when I cold plunge in the evening. Hours of like five to even as late as 8 p.m. doing a, a three to five minute ice bath is beautiful. It's a really nice way to re-regulate my nervous system for the day, draw a line between like all the really, you know, lean in hardcore client work and maybe some of the softer work or the self-care I'm doing at night and really to set me up for sleep, you know, like Molly McLaughlin style. Sleep is a skill. Yeah. Okay. Uh, quick question too. Three, uh, I've always heard three minutes, 39 degrees. And I've heard you say the same, I think, but you could, but you, I've also heard you go for like six minutes is like very typical for you. Is is that just uh, personal or, and, and now I'm also thinking, have you tried messing with a three minute cold plunge versus a six minute cold plunge at night and noticing any difference in your numbers? Yeah. Or- yeah. I've done sub 40 up to 15 minutes. Just, you know, you're going to teach it. You got to fail it. Yeah. And so, um, Here's the thing with this, right? A lot of people, people will continue to talk about how long, what temp, and a lot of people use their own opinion or maybe who they're coaching or whatever is their barometer. But the reality is this, you're trying to create a minimum effective dose of stress. Right. So a minimum effective dose of stress for every physiology, for every person in every different climate in the world is going to be different. It's also going to depend on how often you plunge. I'm not a huge advocate. I am bullish on ice. I think there is no person in the world that shouldn't be doing cold and probably cold and heat contrast. Mm. Um, because when you look at the literature on sauna versus all cause mortality, like it's, it's super beneficial to our longevity. I'm a huge advocate of cold, especially for females. Although I'm not an advocate for females going in every single day, especially if they have hormone dysregulation already, meaning Mm. they're amenorrheic, they're having challenges with their cycle, they're perimenopausal. Um, I want to say trying to get pregnant, but that's not exactly, there's a lot of benefits to fertility and doing cold aligned with a good eating and all of that. But obviously if you're, or not obviously, if you are pregnant very early stages and it was challenging to get pregnant, please don't get in the ice until your doctor says it's okay because it's a very special experience. And you know, you want to take care of the child that's inside you. But the, um, the piece of cold that uh, is, uh, I saw a lot of hormonal dysregulation in my body. I tested twice during the ice bath challenge. I saw a lot of dysregulation because of the cold. Um, so I just, I don't advocate for it because I think, you know, three to four days versus seven days a week, it's like plenty Yeah, (laughs) for anyone it's plenty, but, and I know we're going hard and we're excited and it's not to say you couldn't do a bunch of days in a row if you wanted to. Um, but for women, I don't advocate it every day. Uh, on the other side of that, the number one question I get asked about ice besides how long from everybody is from women, which is, can I go on the ice on my period? And the answer is yes, yes, yes. And yes. The days I don't love to go in are the few days before my period. I feel real sensitive. I feel really temperature sensitive. I feel a little like emotional. If I'm really emotional and really like teary eyed or crying at the Kleenex commercials on TV and I need to kind of have a reset, then I might go in the ice at that point for a short yeah. period of time. That feels like I'm in here to kind of remind myself who I am. I'm not trying to like push my longest time to just get a turnover. A turnover yeah. is like what I call... Um, a coach I'm working with in Canada who runs a big program. Her name is Lisa. She's a beautiful woman who runs a, a program called Unbound. And 
she calls it the bliss, uh, the moment of bliss. And I call it the turnover. It's like, this is just like this physiological thing that we continue to see, which is physiological shift in the body. At the same time, you have like a capacity state shift, meaning you're understanding that you couldn't do this thing, which is what you believe before you got in. And then you do it. Maybe you do it a little longer that day. And you're like, hell yeah, I just did this thing. And you start to shunt the blood to your core. You get up to your neck, your heart rate slows down. And those two things match. And it's a beautiful thing when you get adept at watching people, you can like see that change in people's eyes mm. where they go from kind of like a fear response to like a surrender. And then like, a, I got this. Yeah. And it's, it's that microcosm of the cold. This is like a long story right now, but it's a microcosm of those three minutes or those five minutes or this, whatever people stay in. So going back to time, it is dependent on you and yeah. the minimum effective dose of stress. Let's use the Joe Rogan example because we all know Joe Rogan. I love that Joe Rogan has a huge following and is going to say, ice is awesome. I love that Wim Hof is going to, he's totally lifted the bar on cold exposure and therapy yeah. and immune system improvement and all these things. And yet when Joe Rogan goes in for 20 minutes and is like a massive shiver response that borders on, in my opinion, like pre-hypothermia, like it is point of diminishing returns at that point it is not bolstering your health and well-being right right um could could it a little like yeah and also you're effing yourself up a bit and so i also think his his platform you know i always say his platform is four million people or something you have a responsibility to not um, scare people off that's what i'm worried about don't scare people off from this because it looks gnarly and then the other piece is like if joe rogan called me tomorrow and said let's go nose to nose who can stay in the cold longest like i'll be i'll put myself into you know cryo and cold water and whatever and just try to try to shred his time but that's not coming yeah. from the right place yeah it's yes, coming yes, from yes. Like competitive you know dude energy that i have in the half of me that is balancing out yes and divine goddess in me so here's what i say two minutes great start with that see how it feels work your way up i want you in sub 40 fahrenheit because i feel like you want your cold shock proteins to activate you know, prefacing this conversation, I should have prefaced this conversation, or it's important to say that the literature is all over the place on cold. Countries and people and body types and never enough women. And is it your arm in cold only? Is it pre-training? Is it your whole body? Is it running water? Is it what degrees? Mm -hmm. Who's taking the temperature? Is it reputable? You know, Susanna Soderberg is writing a book, wrote a book. It's coming out in English in September. Soderbergh principle. She's another one who was made big in this community by Huberman. And she says, you know, 11 minutes of cold over the course of the week. So however you break that up and um, you know, she's series on sauna and, and all of that as well. So yeah. it's just like, what, cool. don't the first 30 to 90 seconds is really the hardest depending on your physiology. So don't give up then. And if you're going to get out, get out at 90 seconds, because there's a very good chance you'll have the turnover. And I've mm -hmm. seen women go from the first 30 seconds of almost panic to hitting that 60, 70 second mark and being like, oh, I could stay in here for like, let's do five minutes. Like it's a really big prodigal shift, right? Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then wow. just lastly on the cold, I, I know you you were saying body composition. That's something that you've seen in terms of just uh, weight loss and, and fat loss. That's been one of the most effective tools that you're seeing just in your practice. Yeah. If they did I, nothing I mean, else, I'm like, never as, lean as the times that I'm regularly ice plunging and like, you know, just doing all the other things, right. You can't out ice plunge a bad diet. Right, right, <laughs> right. If you want to recomp your body and the reason the scientific reason is because you get in the cold for a certain amount of minutes every week 
And that's going to boost brown adipose tissue. Brown adipose tissue is the good fat. We need fat on our bodies, around our organs, all of that. And white fat is typically the stuff we want to lose. And so the more brown fat we make, the more mitochondrial dense it is, mitochondrially dense, the more mitochondria, the more energy we're producing, the more calories we burn, the more our body wants to lean down the white fat and keep the brown fat working. So again, a slight oversimplification. Yeah. No, I and love then, that. And then also, you know, like we're building on muscle, hopefully on top of that. The one time to stay away from the cold is I'd say, look, if you're training your brains out for 35, 40 minutes on heavy weights and you're like proud to have gotten it in, don't stunt the work you've done by like running to an ice bath and getting in the cold after. Like give it a half a day or maybe don't even cold plunge that day and cold plunge on your rest day. Yeah. Love that. Love the balance. Yes. I couldn't agree more. Um, I briefly wanted to just talk uh, a little bit just about red light therapy because I know you, that's another thing you mentioned the heat and the cold and you do both. And, um, you know, you just got me, um, intrigued and associated with the flex beam. We were talking about that and, um, it's a really nifty device. I think I have it right here. Um, and I have been, I've been using it like daily now and you know, it's a great little belt and uh, let me see the camera there. You can kind of I know, see it. Mine's usually there, but I used it in bed last night. I always wrapped it up and helped me go to sleep at night. So it's on here, but yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, ha- I have a panel as well. It's not a huge panel, but it's an old juve that I have. And, um, but I gotta say, I, I really love this thing. Um, because I I'm using, I think it's just the portability and the flexibility. And I use the red light way more now than having the panel because the panel, you know, it's like you have to sit there and, like I can work really? out with this and do some cool stuff. So yeah, um, I'm just curious. Like, talk talk to me a little about red light and um, flex beam. Yeah, I mean, I fell in love with red light a while ago as a biohacker. You tend to do that. I have a panel here as well. It's great to sit in front of and work in the morning or do some meditation in front of. But the flex beam, uh, I was using it for a couple of years, and really just the big benefits for me a bit was sleep because it helps calm me at night before I go to bed. Because again, I have that like intense energy and like typically down regulating from but also I'm into anything that is going to potentiate my workout I'm into anything that is going to make my work in the gym or training of any kind more efficient and effective and so um being able to like strap that on when I like I drive to the gym still sometimes but like putting it on my shoulders driving to the gym in the morning especially in LA really early like purple jeep big red light coming out the windows like weirdo but potentiating whatever part of the body I'm working, or if I know I'm going to do a full body strength training, then I'm like, strap it on my thighs, put it on my, you know, anywhere that it, it's just going to work for me to potentiate because it's it's boosting. Red light is going to boost mitochondrial function. It's going to warm you up for the workout. There's studies that talk about HGH production increasing, testosterone increasing. There are um, there's enough research that that feels like yes, it can support that. Um, you know, I potentiate my workouts with cold. There's not exactly enough research on that yet, but like. We do know and we do see that we get more force potential, like more power mm. um, by by the right amount of cold. That's a whole big deeper dive rabbit hole conversation. Um, I potentiate my workouts and create effective, effective and efficient programming by training in alignment with my cycle. So periodization, not, you know, no pun intended, nothing to do with periods, but periodization that men use can work for women and we can periodize differently using our last week of the cycle as a deload week and in a, in a different way and see better results. There's plenty of research since the eighties around that. So anything like red light to me is a big potentiator of a workout and that capacity flex beam specifically is something that I can 
again, it's the same thing. People can have a panel in their house. Like how, how often do you use your panel? And unless they're diehard, if they're busy human beings, they're like, it's so collecting a little dust in the corner twice a month. Like, and that's not the game with red light. You need it. Number one, yeah. frequently. you need to not let go of it. And most of the studies, if you talk to like the world's foremost researcher on red light is a woman named Sarah Turner or one of them, Sarah Turner, photobiomodulation queen. And um, most of the research you see successful trials on in the right studies is about that red light being basically applied to the body. So it has a fraction of a few inches or like a millimeters away from the red light. But the red light is essentially on the skin, you know, within reason. Yeah. Um, and we're standing, you know, this is what I love, Joel. I love marketing. When I like pop on a red light companies, even I have a light path LED, large pulse panel here. It's so amazing. I love it. Even on their website, it's like a woman on the couch and she's like, oh, sexy. And there's like red light. The whole room is lit up. The panel is 10 feet away. And I'm like, inverse square law. That's not doing anything. Literally yeah. zero, like literally nothing except making your room look like a brothel. It's like, you know, this is, look, none of this is, this is the problem we have as consumers and health coaches and everything, right? There's a sure. lot of misinformation out there. And so with red light therapy, it's like, Let's see what the literature says. Let's apply it to our body. Let's like, you know, the, even face masks. So you can't put the flex beam on your face. will look weird. And also you just got to be cautious. Um, and there's specific ones made for the face. It's like, it has to be adhered to your face or you have to, with a panel, like four to six inches max. People aren't getting close because of EMF in many, in many cases. So it's like riding the line of comfort with that and getting close enough that it's actually stimulating your mitochondrial function and all these downstream effects that red light, there's yeah. no one in the world who's allowed to say anymore that red light is a hoax because we know, we know it from the sun, from wavelengths, from all the science, thousands and thousands and thousands of studies. And so it's so exciting to, to have something and then portable. When was the last yeah. time you climbed into bed with your panel or on an airplane? <laughs> Yeah, and I'm I'm with you. I mean, like I have a Therosage sauna because, oh, cool. uh, you know, I I thought about getting an actual a larger one where like two people could fit in, but I knew myself, I'm never gonna get in it. I'm never, I'm gonna be working. I'm gonna be, at least the Therosage. I can be in it. I can be talking to clients. I can be doing social media. I can be multitasking. And the same thing with the flex beam. So that's what I'm really enjoying. By I feel like yeah. it's more sticky, and I'm using it on a regular basis. Whereas the panel, I just wasn't. It, the panel's great. I just wasn't using it more regularly, like you said. Yeah. Um, I want to kind of start wrapping some things up, but I'm just curious, like what exciting projects are you working on right now? You got a lot. I have a lot. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing. Um, I just interviewed Patrick McEwen. I actually released that interview yesterday. Uh, who's the oxygen advantage guy. So I'm a huge breath, breath, you know, breath is the root of life. It's the root of all the things we do. It is the one very free practice, like you don't even have to buy ice, you don't even have to buy food. It is the one thing that you can shift your nervous system state and shift your mindset and shift your emotionality with in a relatively simple protocol. And I think that um, I continue to be drawn in more and more by the ways that we use breath to control our state. I am um, recording a breathwork album. Ooh. I am working with a partner that I'm still not allowed to talk about on a breath in cold type of a challenge. Um, there's a lot of things exciting. in the mix that are really exciting, you know, and I, I, the biggest thing I rolled out this year was the Sherpa breath and cold instructor training, which is, you know, my call to action is this. I run community sessions. I run breath work. I put people in the cold. It's great. I'm one person. There's a lot of coaches out there. There's a lot of styles of breathing and a lot of cold plunge styles out there. We've been doing it for thousands of years. 
Certainly the people doing it now aren't the first. But what I try to bring to the world is uh, instructor training for anyone from performance fitness enthusiasts, athletes, people with dis functional disordered breathing, body workers, clinicians, people working in plant medicine, all of that and saying, here's this array. It's a two day workshop. It is a certification instructor style. And we do two eight hour days that are, are covering all of the styles of breath that are really prominent in the world. Many of the styles of ice coaching and we, everybody gets a palette of all the colors so that when they see the person in front of them they're working with or their own bodies in that day, in that moment, they can apply the color that's appropriate. And that's, I think what's really missing is we don't have, to, I'm not teaching the Kristen Weitzel style. That's not what this is about. I call it Sherpa breath and cold. Sherpa is an acronym. It's also someone who carries your shit up the mountain, but who's already been there before. Doesn't mean they're necessarily an expert, except they've done it a hundred times more than you. So it's just like, Hey, I'm here to guide you. Yeah. And Sherpa is surrender, history, exposure. That means cold and heat exposure. We talk a little bit about heat, Re uh, respiration, which is the breathing component, performance and adaptation. And so we cover all of those pieces so that you can, with a very precise and, and um, safe and effective toolkit, you can go approach a person or a class, even if you've never taught breathwork before, never put any people in cold before, as long as you can do cold yourself, right? And you can change people. You can coach people. You can teach them how to downregulate their state in the midst of all the anxiety and stress we have because I love human beings that are working on a health journey and I want to be able to affect millions of people just like you do, but I need other people. Call it Sherpa or don't call it, call it Joel, whatever. Like I want other people in the Joel. world. <laughs> <laughs> to get like yeah. the Cliff Snow versions. Remember, all the way back to the beginning of the podcast when I said I had this partner that that digested all this information and consumed it and then gave me half an hour. Well, I'm giving you two eight-hour days of hundreds of hours and thousands of dollars worth of certifications in one weekend so that people can go out and do that. Right. And I think that's important. I think that's part of my give back to the world is like I want to share this so that more people can get healthy in the two ways within everything that we're all doing that I've seen that have are, are low hanging fruit, right? Inexpensive and um, accessible and people are willing to show up for are teaching people how to breathe into better and teaching people how to use cold as a variable for a happy life. Love that. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um, I want to jump into some lightning round questions, but before I do Wait. any, anything that I didn't ask you that you wish I had. No, I love you. There's plenty more conversation where this came. I'm sure we'll do a part two. Yeah. There's... I mean, you know, no, I'm getting to the place in my life where I'm like, we're not talking about sex enough, but let's do that on another podcast. Okay. <laughs> uh, awesome. I'll bring you back for, uh, maybe that'll be a new, maybe next year you'll have some new training, uh, breath, cold, I mean, sex. Yeah. Watch uh, what McEwen has in his book, two chapters on, uh, like love making in breath or self-love in breath or whatever you want to say, like how to use breath to heighten your experience with a partner or in your solo lovemaking journeys. Ooh. And I was like really wanting to lean in and talk about it on the podcast. And he was like, I think that's for another podcast or maybe you could do a solo episode. on that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love Patrick. He's great. Yeah, yeah. So uh, lots to, lots to come on that or whatever else, but no, give me the lightning round. I love it. It's going to be like all the questions I don't know you're going to ask. And you I'm don't know anything about this. Yep. All right. right. I'm curious, you know, what do you think are some choices that you made that made you who you are today? Uh, 
I mean, I finally took a, one of the biggest choices I made was like really in a very, very heartbroken place, picking up my entire life and moving it from the East Coast to Los Angeles. Mm. It was the hardest thing I ever did. My dad uh, died. He's like my best friend in the world. He died 60 days later, a 12 year relationship of mine, the partner I'm very close with, who's like family still, but we're not together, um, ended. And I was in a place that was the biggest standstill emotionally and the biggest stuckness I'd ever experienced in life. I also confronted with my own mortality. Just, you lose a parent and start to think that way. Yeah. And um, I picked up all my things and I moved to Los Angeles. It was really scary. I'm like, I'm a big, I'll, I'll make big moves and do scary things all the time. But that was really, I was lonely and I was confused and I was afraid and I didn't know how to share it with people. And I was like, okay, I'm going to plan the logistics to get to LA in 14 days. And then when I land there, I'll deal with my emotions. And it was a, that journey like took, I'd say 12 to 18 months to unwind. It's also the thing that gave me the capacity to unwind any of the like corporate marketing gigs I was doing in the background to keep uh, my income while I was doing health. And let me just say, I'm going to leap and the net will appear. And if it doesn't, I don't know, I'll wait tables and bartend like a cocktail and until it does. And so that's part one. And then the second piece I want to say is like um, letting go of any kind of um, stigma around plant medicine and Mm. fear around losing control and um, wanting to deal with parts of my, the other players that drive the car with me that may not be my highest self Yeah, and really address them, meet them. And I think the, the death of my dad too still lived in there as a big trauma. And I wanted to really experiment and explore uh, in the plant medicine space. And so I'm getting more involved with psilocybin and journey space. And now I do some facilitation with breath and cold in those spaces. Uh, changed me as a human being, accelerated my expansion, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Right. Um, I love that you said that. I mean, sometimes I think it's, it's amazing um, trauma or even bad stuff. Uh, or things that are not going our way, right? It, it's really what expands us. It makes mm-hmm. us better. We gain wisdom and experience if we choose to. Um, and it's, well, thank you for sharing that. What an amazing, um, yeah, story. Wow. Yeah. I'm curious. You know, you're obviously such a force in the health and wellness world. Like, who's someone that inspires you? Who's someone that you follow? I'm sure there's many, but I mean, there's one woman that really shifted my life in a big way. Look, there's many, many people. And I, I think the irony always is that because there were so many males driving biohacking that a lot of my mentors are men. Um, Dan Garner in the nutrition space, Paul Burgess in the nutrition space, Mark Sisson, Gundry, all those people really, Asprey, right? They all, um, they all led the charge. Casper Vandermulen's like a big breathwork guy. That was Wim Hof's right-hand man. But um when I look at the women, you know, Dr. Stacey Sims has really been banging the drum for 15, 20 years in endurance sport and research around women's health in a way that no one else has. She does. I don't even know her, but you know, I, I've been in her course. I know her work. I love her. I will sing her praises forever. I don't even know if she knows I exist, but that's fine. Like this is, she's a huge inspiration to me that she's just like, she cuts to the meat of it. And she's, she's smart enough to say, I formulated an opinion on this. It's beyond my own opinion. Here's literature to back it up. And like, we better start getting our shit together as women and as researchers in the world to understand the female physiology enough to be able to support it. And that, I love that about her. Um, and then one of the people who I love in the world the most, who is a, a dear friend of mine, I don't get to see as much as I'd like, because she's in New York, is Emily Fletcher. And she is Ziva Meditation. And she is the person that got me, after seven years of teaching yoga and trying to meditate, and 
she got me enough understanding and approachable mechanisms and methods to be able to actually sit and meditate. And so for me, stillness is a huge challenge and has been. And um, she's just uh, the way that she delivers the material, the fact she came off Broadway and really has some presence in a space, the way that she connects with her community and that she is very authentic to like, I know her, she is who she is. Yeah. Um, has just been uh, someone to, for me to look up to and, uh, and, and changed me. You know, I had a, a lot of anger woven through my being from divorce and whatever other stuff, you know, stories we tell ourselves, let's just call it that. Yeah. And so the anger was like the default place for me to go, even if I was like doing it in private. And a lot of it was like self-loathing. And the meditation was the only um, first thing was like the gateway to healing for me. And so um, it's meditation is, is sometimes, you know, we feel like we got to be good at it. We don't have to be good at it. So Emily Fletcher is, is uh, yeah, she's a pivotal person in my life. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big reader and you dropped like three books, I think already. I'm gonna have to go back and listen and I'll put those on the show notes. But yeah, any books that really had a huge impact on your life? You, I think you mentioned a lot of them, but I'm just curious the any like one to three that just really stood out. Yeah, there's a few that, that stand out. I, you know, my mom always says this. My mom will mail me books from like the Oprah book club and they're all like, they're all uh, fiction and she loves reading fiction. And I, I like fiction, I guess. But I'm, I'm, maybe you're a little like me. I love to read. Yeah research and like uh, me, breathing me. cure patrick McEwen, breathing cure if anyone wants to know about breath start with james nestor's breathe breath breath it's like used uh, to be yeah. yellow i think he changed the color recently but oh, because like it's a one. nice one it's an audiobook it's built in story like he doesn't nerd you out in the research so you're hooked on the story and then you're like damn it he's feeding me research but it's beautiful um the trajectory of all of the work around breath that's a great starter and I, i've listened to it so many times um, I will also say that one of the books that helped me get in touch with my divine feminine more is a book called The Artist's Way. And mm. it's really been like an anchor around that piece of me. Um, uh, it is a, it's basically a, it's like a workbook meets storybook. And so you read it and you do the activities. And I had this beautiful opportunity with 12 women when I lived in Argentina. We met every Wednesday for a year and did a few pages and a worksheet uh, within the book. And it, it just, it, you take yourself out on a date. It teaches you how to journal. It makes you feel like you're not like super in the universe, you know, and it, it just really lets you get in touch with yourself. So yeah. I, would, I always recommend that book. I think there are plenty of other people on the planet that love the artist way, but it's a, it's a good one. That's awesome. Uh, last two questions. We'll wrap it up. Um, any rituals or hacks or practices that you do kind of on a regular basis? I mean, so many, but yes, let's see what's <laughs> hot right now. Um, so we red know you light. do cold. We know you do red light. Yeah. Red light, we do cold. I was trying to think of like outside of those things. Yeah. Uh, rituals that I do right now. Yeah. Like, uh, so right now the thing that's hot for me that keeps coming up is like breath holding technique and this like secret breathing pattern, which is like building carbon dioxide tolerance. It sounds so silly, but it's really the thing that you can spend five to seven minutes on in a day and shift your cardio capacity, your ability to manage stress, everything. And it also teaches you what comes up in your panic brain, where you hold tension in your body. Uh, it's an oxygen advantage technique. They call breathe light to breathe right, easily Googleable. I call it secret breathing and do it a little differently, but some of these breath hold practices are kind of cool. And they are, um, they make me sort of face my, my own, my own demons. Other rituals in the morning though, I'm a supplement whore. I have a lot of supplements. The hottest su the supplement I'm super hot on right now for everything is nitric oxide. Uh, I just like I'm taking it. Um, 
um, putting lotion on my face with it in it. I'm doing all the things with it. I'm sla stacking it with red light and I'm really liking it just the way that it makes me feel. And you don't really need much of it until you hit 40, but you know, hitting that number. So getting into that. And, um, I, have another, I just I have turned another 40, I just turned 40 in April and, uh, I, I've been doing the NO too. Um, I got a virus recently. I hadn't, I blew through the pandemic. Didn't get, I haven't been sick. No problem. Years. No problem. Not, not, nothing touched me. I felt great. Uh, and then maybe like three weeks ago or something, I, I came down with something. I don't know what it was, but, um, I definitely was popping the NO on high dose. Well, not high dose. I was taking at least two a day and doing, yeah. I think that that was one, a big contributor for helping me. Uh, I, I mean, I didn't get that, that sick. So yeah, I didn't feel good for a week, but I mean, overall looking back, it, I wasn't really that sick. So yeah. I mean, I'm on all sorts of crazy stacks, bioregulators and like, you know, some kind of peptide stuff. And um, I have one that I really want to talk about, but it's like not FDA cleared. So, you know, biohacking and all that probably yeah. will leave that yeah. until I'm done with the protocol. And if I'm Good. still around and if not you're still alive from the horse tranquilizer, we'll, we'll get you on an <laughs> interview. And talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I love you, Joel. I, I love, love you the work too. That you're doing. I want to take a moment really right now on your podcast to honor the work that you're doing and the way that, this beautiful thing that you do, which is you always add humor and light to the things that sometimes can be not easy to get up and do. Routine is hard. Like I gotta stop using that word. Routine is not the first thing I wanna do when I'm celebrating on a Tuesday night, right? Creating routine and it's the thing that saves us. And you always make routine and focus and the topics that you're covering even today you in your stories, you were excited about like leptin resistance. And I just always think, I want to be, I want to be able to deliver a message of leptin in a way that's like humorous and fun and sweet and light. And it's, it's, it's a talent that you have to educate people on this dense, nerdy stuff that we look up and we learn about to share and to actually make it palatable, like pun intended. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I just love that about you. And I, I'm sure that that's why people are listening to this right now as well, but you're not many people do it with like the ease and the humor that you layer in. And that's um, that coupled with you being like a family man and on the go and being like handling it all. Surely there's something in the closet we don't all see, but that's fair. Like I just want well, to if you have me on your podcast, I'm sure I'll divulge all my all or, or you can just bypass me. You don't need me on the podcast. You can just interview my wife and you'll learn all about uh, yeah, all the, all the things that you don't see on Instagram. Uh, what's well, I want to thank you for the, the work that you put in. It's inspiring. It keeps us all on the path together. And that's like, this is the end game is we can't do this alone. None of us, none of us coaches, None of the people out in the world, um, everybody has their own expertise in different areas. And the more that we sort of band together and treat this like it's a universal collaboration and not a competition, yeah. um, unless we're being like healthy competition and who can lift more in the gym, okay. then like what, the better we all get as a collective. And I just, I want that for the world. So thank Love you that. for bringing that. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I, I always think too, it's like, I mean, I just think iron sharpens iron. Like, um, mm -hmm. and I was telling somebody the other day, I'm like, I, I don't even look at anybody really as competition. I'm just doing my own thing. And so are they. And like, I couldn't be happier how successful they are and what they're doing. It's like the world's abundant. Um, sometimes it doesn't feel that way. I get into these dark paths too. I'm like, Oh man, nothing's working out. This sucks. And oh, I can't believe so-and-so. But then I'm at, once I kind of like come back down, down regulate, I'm like, good for that person. Like, and, and good for, and like, thank God, I hope, and I hope they're just making tremendous impact in the world yeah. and I'm sure they are. They're getting great results and I'm just going to do my thing and hope, you know, steer the course and hope 
that I can, I'm putting out good energy and someone's being impacted. I think the biggest thing for me too, is just, I don't know what my stuff's doing, but I just want to keep taking messy action. And I know, and you know this, that someone's going to resonate and I'm going to help somebody by doing it And like social media. Like, like I, I don't have some good health friends that are like, I'm not getting on Instagram. Screw that. I'm off of it. I'm like, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I see everything going on Instagram too and being banned and censored, but I've connected with some amazing people on Instagram and I've also helped change people's lives by being on Instagram. So I always think about that. If I can just change one more life or impact somebody, someone's going to impact me too. So it, you know, that's the way I look at it. Yeah. The podcast world as well, right? Cause there are people who are going to work with us and, and we got programs that are highly intensive time, energy, money. And the podcasts are a really beautiful opportunity, I think, to share both these conversations and then also some information so that people who don't have access or economics around it can just get into it. And it's like been a really, I think it's probably a big piece of your, like your gift to the world as well. It feels like a totally. good, a good thing for all of us to keep doing. So more of this, please. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Um, last but not least, where can people find you and all your good work and connect with you? They can connect with me. Always sort of the hub seems to be this at warrior woman mode, like warrior, not warrior, woman, singular, W-O-M-A-N mode on Instagram. And um, I have warriorwomanmode.com. I have wellpowerpodcast.com. All of the things are intermixed and um, clickable. So it's easy to find me. I have an online women's program that is Women Optimizing Wellness. That is, um, it's a year of, it's my most, accessible course it's a a year of hybrid online course that i put together as well as um small group coaching it's typically like i don't know maybe 12 people show up live people submit questions we cover a lot in the course of a year um, and i mean extended it to some women who've asked like i'm almost done can i get another few more months like i just really want women in collective to get together yeah. to talk about like you just said like the put your mess out there and see what happens and so we get a chance to do that um with the with the the guidance of the modules and talking about the things that show up so um so yeah so like i just always leave that out in the wind in case any woman wants to get into community and get coaching and like in a reasonable way right where you're putting in time energy money but it's something that's manageable and a little a little self-starting no it's huge it's important and i, I don't i'm gonna I tell you right now like don't, don't downplay that like i know people that are, have, are in your program and they love you and that they and, and like what you said it being part of that tribe, being connected and, um, you're doing fa fantastic work. So thank you so much. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks again for being on the show. I appreciate you. Yeah. I appreciate you too. Thanks so much, Joel. More to come. Boom. <laughs> All right. Let me hit the end 